Yeah, good work. We finished reading Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. The last two times we've talked, for 2 Corinthians and Galatians, we discussed how the church is the glory of God and how a person truly transformed by the gospel will unmistakably radiate the glory of God. If you remember, I got that statement about the church being the glory of God from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 23. Well, to be precise, it says the glory of Christ. When he uses it this way, he is saying Jesus deserves glory or to be celebrated and worshipped for the work that he did for the churches. In other words, when someone sees the church, a group of broken, evil, and corrupt people, forgiven, redeemed, and transformed through the blood of Jesus and the power of the Spirit of God, this person should fall on their face and worship God. The sight of the church should leave the viewer in awe of God, not the church. We discussed how this type of transformation was most evident in the life of Paul, who used to persecute the followers of Jesus, but began faithfully and bravely preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. This should be recognized as a work of God and leave us amazed at the power of God. Sure, commend Paul for his bravery and encourage him in his faithfulness. This is okay, because what he was doing was difficult and certainly commendable, even worth celebrating. But ultimately, when we recognize properly that this transformation and ongoing faithfulness is the work of God, it should inspire our hearts to worship God for His mercy. Okay, keep this in mind as we discuss Paul's terminology around the same topic in Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 through 6, Paul says, In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Paul is saying that God lovingly predestined people who were dead in their trespasses and sins to be adopted into his family through Jesus for the purpose of being worshipped, praised, glorified for his grace. Paul discusses this topic further in verses 11 through 14 of chapter 1, but he rewords it a little. In verses 11 through 12, Paul said, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Did you catch it? To the praise of his glory. This glory is not the church as he defined glory in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 23. Paul is not saying that the church should be praised. He is referring to God's glorious grace from verse 6. So, in verse 12, when he says for his glory to be praised, he means for his grace to be celebrated, or for God to be worshipped because of his glorious grace. In verses 11 and 12, Paul takes it a step further. He doesn't just say God deserves to be glorified for his grace toward those who were the first to believe, but Paul says God being glorified was the purpose of this grace. In verses 13 through 14, Paul goes on to say, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. 
So now Paul is moving on from just talking about those who are the first to believe, like him and those who were the original disciples, and is now talking about the church in general. You can also see that Paul is using the same term, to the praise of his glory. So something in these verses should lead to us celebrating God's glorious grace. But it is not exactly clear what he's talking about. Is he talking about when they heard the word of truth, the gospel of their salvation? Or is he talking about them believing in him? Or is he talking about them being sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, the mark of an authentic follower of Jesus? Which of these should be to the praise of his glorious grace? I think Paul means all of these are the result of God's grace. The church hearing the good news of the gospel is a work of God's grace. The church believing in Jesus is a work of God's grace. The church being filled with the Spirit of God is a work of God's grace. All of these things should inspire us to worship God for His mercy toward the church. To get a proper view of God's grace, we need the perspective from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, which I alluded to earlier. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. We were dead, but somehow still walking and following Satan. We were not a neutral party that God persuaded to come to his side. We were dead, and he breathed new life into us. We were sided with his enemy, and he forgave us, redeemed us, and transformed us by filling us with his spirit. He had mercy on us. It was all the work of God. Praise God! This mercy should inspire our hearts to worship God. God, please help us get a proper view of your glorious grace. Thanks so much for reading with me. Please come back tomorrow and we will read the book of Philippians.